0: The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie.
1: Hey, it's me. Ladies and gentlemen, Paula Cole is joining us for our third interview. There have not been many guests who have come back for a second and then third interview, but she has this new album out. It's called Revolution, a very powerful word indeed. By my count, this is the 10th album. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. 10th album.
1: Wow. Congratulations.
0: Thank you, Paul. Thank you.
1: Paula Cole, how are you?
0: I'm well. I'm calling from Atlanta. We are just about to sound check, and I'm here with the band. We've, let's see, we've played four, no, five concerts already, and we have and more to go I think something like that. So we're in the middle of a tour for Revolution it's Exciting and the feedback about the album has been really wonderful. So that's life affirming to be to be kind of regarded anew for my writing and not just always be thought of, you know, as the hit songs but beyond that to see me who I am today. It things feel really good. Yeah, it's it's hard work being on the road and I'm with my tour family, and here we go.
1: Wonderful to hear. And, you know, I was just thinking about from what you were saying, you were saying it's nice to be regarded not as the person, you know, who just had these hit songs. And it occurred to me, and it might be because I I know your music and listen to it a lot, I don't necessarily think of your hit songs when I think of you Right off the bat, it's like I have to sometimes. Oh yeah, and also I would explain her to the general public in this way, <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's understandable. I mean, all of us do that. You're known for your most successful thing, and at first, I was known as Peter Gabriel's backup singer, and then I was known for "Where Have All the Cowboys Gone," and then it was "Oh, that song on Dawson's Creek," <laughs> <laughs> you know? But but I'm. We both know. Like I've been writing and making music for a long time now, and. Um, I'm just I'm a lot of things and it takes time to kind of take it all in so my fans now are are close to my heart they have lasted with me over decades and they know the content of my catalog and and the shows are interesting I'm I'm touring behind Revolution so we're playing a, a lot of those songs right now but the catalog is getting so rich that we can move move the set around a a good bit, you know, we can play songs from Harbinger and and play songs from the new album, play the hit and make it, make it interesting for ourselves. So it's good. It's good to be here still. I'm still here. (laughs) I'm still here doing it, you know, (laughs) (laughs) making the music and in good enough voice to be doing what I'm doing. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my fans.
1: You just mentioned the first album there, and I heard it said about this album, Revolution, that it fulfills the promise of that first record. What do you think about that statement?
0: I think it's a very grand statement, and I'm humbled by it. I'm humbled by that. It just, I think, honestly, it's so much about timing. There's luck, and there's timing in a career And I've, I think the timing of revolution is, is right on. It's just, and I don't know, maybe because of our political world and progressives and people of color and LGBTQ and women, all of us are, are frustrated and, and women, you know, we, we got to see a Renaissance with Lilith Fair and then that all went away and there was backlash and we've been, kind of continuing in the trenches uh, without much recognition. I mean, I certainly feel I've been continuing in the trenches without a lot of recognition for some time. And and maybe it it is it is time and people want to expand and, and recognize. So whatever it is, that beautiful statement met with my hard work of making an album and the good timing. And I do believe it's a good album, but it, I think it's some... Some lucky timing.
1: What would you say is the story that Revolution, the album, as a whole, tells?
0: I think the most core theme, because there are many, is that of not taking on silence anymore. That it doesn't serve me, it doesn't serve us. I was raised by two parents that are silent generation parents. Their entire ethos is that, especially being New Englanders, that taking it on the chin and holding it in in silence is somehow something dignified or stoic and right. And there's definitely times for that, and Lord knows I've done my share of that. It it doesn't work anymore, not with millennials coming in, not with our landscape being so challenged in this country with what's going on. It's time to be heard. It is time to speak out, especially as an artist, especially for me as an artist. I've been sitting on some very personal things that came out in a song such as "Silent." As an artist, we need to be the politicians of the future. That's what Picasso said. And look at his work. He would react immediately to something that happened politically. He would react to Guernica. He created that fantastic mural in response to Franco's deal with Hitler, allowing the town of Guernica be an experiment for the Luftwaffe and their new weaponry, because it was convenient for Franco. He wanted to put down the, the, the people in the, in the northeast of Spain because they were being too vocal and too uprising. He made a response to that political equation by creating Guernica, a masterpiece, and he, he was very vocal about saying, we must speak. And I feel that's true for me. I'm tired of holding on to painful things that I've I've absorbed, whether it's being a bystander or being the victim or being the mother in this micro-society where I was so different because I was a working mother. And yet I, I didn't fit in with the moms and I didn't fit in with the men at a party. So using these examples of silence, and it doesn't work especially with millennials. They've taught me so much. I, I love them for it. I love their, their vocal quality. So I'm, that to me is number one. That's the message of the album. And then from there, of course, there's environmentalism. There's, let's, let's talk about the planet. Let's talk about species that are going extinct. I'm writing about it in songs. I don't think there are enough songs about this. We're not talking about it enough. I'm so worried for the planet. We need to act immediately. We have to stop plastic use. We, single plastic use. It's insane. Well, all we are going to do is kill ourselves by eliminating our own resources and food source. So I'm, there's this, there's singing and speaking for women, for people of color, for all niches of society that are being hunted right now. We are the, I feel like, prey by the predators right now and we just can't that's unacceptable so it's many things <laughs> <laughs> but overcoming silence and rejecting silence is central i think
1: i'm glad that you've said this about overcoming silence when i listened to the album it was something that the album made me think of i thought when it was over i thought because it's something that i struggle with the most. There are so many times where I should have spoken up about something, and I didn't. Yeah. Why can it be so hard for us to speak up?
0: Well, I I can only speak for myself, and I don't know what it is for you, but those are the questions that keep me awake at 4 a.m., that and worrying about elephants, I suppose. But I, I oh, I regretted, like, for instance, verse 1 on that song, "Silent." That was something that would, I would think about it, in the early morning hours, and why didn't I, Why was I silent? But because I was, and because I regret it, I don't think I I would be silent as much in the future. That's why we have to practice it, right? We have to practice it and observe ourselves. Like, are we falling into ourselves right now in silence? How do you feel? Like checking in with your feelings about it. Does this feel wrong? Is it time for you to? out? Well, you have to do it lightning speed, kind of intrapersonally within yourself and check in. And we have to encourage each other by speaking out. I think if artists do it, then other people will do it. It has to start with artists. We're usually like the canaries in the coal man, the, har- the harbingers. Here you go. We have to speak out. We have to be in reaction. So practice it. Practice having a faster response time. You can like We can all do it. We've all made that mistake. We can all get better.
1: This album, it starts with a, a very interesting track, an intro. Revolution is a <clears throat> state of mind. How did you get the idea to start the album in this very unique way?
0: Mm. I had that uh, melodic idea, the the revolution chorus in the minor key, years ago. And I always liked it because, I don't know, it just wanted me... It, There are a couple of song seeds from Revolution that were born years ago, and they stay in the back of my subconscious, kind of gestating, and they they niggle at my brain, and then I work on them. So that theme in the minor key felt like it was going to speak well for the rest of the material on the album, and then I wanted to bring it into some victorious, positive place, so I brought it to the major, and then it resolves to the major, and it brings in that Scottish war march you know da 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 so that's everyone knows that but if you've watched a parade and you've seen the Scottish bagpipes coming by it's like it's a war march and it's victorious feeling and i wanted that and i wanted to bring about a spoken word piece and i didn't Quite know what to do at first. I was thinking like Lord's Prayer. I in the in the uh, the first session when we cut the tune, I I just recited the Lord's Prayer. I didn't I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, and then I ended up excerpting words by Dr. Martin Luther King, and I wanted it spoken by a man's voice with gravitas. Um, I first tried to get Harry Belafonte to do that, but he couldn't do it. And he's, he's a legend. And it was a long stretch to ask that, but I adore him and respect him so much. And I worked with Bob Thompson, who's a brilliant pianist. He's part of the mountain stage band for mountain stage radio. And he had the most beautiful speaking voice. I, I thought that's it. His voice is stunning. So he was happy to do it. And, um, I just, you know, we made the music work to his voice and the timing work. And Nona Hendricks, who's again like a, another legend. Gosh, I mean, she she is fire. She just created all those vocals, and um, it's a, it's a collective of all of our voices, really, isn't it? And it, it serves as the perfect intro to the album. It's not it's not too songy. It's more like a piece and a march and an introduction. So I just named it as an introduction. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm hoping you can tell us also about Blues in Grey and about your great-grandmother, Charlotte. And I know she was an inspiration there. What got you thinking about her?
0: Well, thank you, first of all, for the thoughtful questions, Paul. But my great-grandmother is with me, and I don't know why, but I've, I have but one picture of us together, and I was a baby, a chubby-cheeked baby who had fallen asleep in her lap, and now being a mom, you know when babies are content with certain people and not content with other people. And when I see this picture as, as a mother myself now, I know that, ooh, as a baby, I really felt right at home in her lap. I was completely flopped over, chubby-cheeked, asleep in, in Charlotte's lap. And I and I knew that she loved me. I can see it in the picture. And so I hung that picture up in my my home when I was going to be giving birth to my daughter. And I named my daughter after her. She's somehow with me in this inexplicable way. She was a fascinating woman who was uh, a brilliant pianist. She was admitted to Yale before women were admitted to Yale in 1969. She was admitted to the music school. And then she got engaged and was pressured to leave Yale and her professional dreams and uh, was pressured to have five children. And she nearly died with the birth of each four, after which she said, enough, enough. He divorced her. He married somebody else, had five children with another woman, and she, you know, and these were olden times, so being divorced was pretty scandalous, and she taught piano the rest of her life. These stories abound in everybody's family of women not having a voice in the world professionally, having dreams buried to raise babies and do drudgery and and just help the family. It happens over and over and over, so... Uh, Charlotte I'm I'm singing for her as much as I am myself I sing for my mother I sing for all of us all of us who don't have a voice I feel a sense of purpose and meaning if I if I'm doing that if I'm including others in in my dreams so the song is for her
1: You know I was reading on your website and you were talking about how people sometimes they they feel like they have to do something or they maybe they want to do something else and they they don't They don't have the ability to. And for every artist who so-called, you know, they use this phrase, makes it, there's all these talented artists that they never are able to make a living. They're never really able to be compensated. If you could use your imagination, do you think you would still write songs, still perform songs, even if you did not have the ability to make a living at it?
0: That's a hard question, because I think I would write songs. Yes, I do. I think if I had chosen something else, like out of practicality, and perhaps ego, identifying with our persona in the world, with our job, like work is religion in America, right? So our job is so self-defining. And I had a very smart, perfectionistic father who probably wanted to see me succeed professionally no matter what. So I felt the need to be good at whatever I did and if if it weren't music, I would have done something. I would have had some career but I think I would have desperately longed for the music and it would have been like this inner river that needed to flow and I'm sure I would have written songs. I'm sure I would have sung and written. I don't think maybe performed, I don't think I would have done that. I don't know. But I'm such an introvert that I don't know if I would have needed that.
1: Hmm. Is it still nerve-wracking? Is it is, is getting on stage any more comfortable?
0: Um, it's comfortable. I mean, I'll, I'm always a little nervous, no matter what. And it's more comfortable when the conditions are right. And that's why you have management or people arranging, you know, to, to have your needs met. Like, I need, I'm i so frequently asked, can you please not have a piano? Can you please play a keyboard? You know, it'll save us a $1,000. We don't have to bring it in because now, sadly, tragically, people don't have pianos anymore. I mean, pianos used to be everywhere. Pianos used to be in, in my parents' Elementary school classrooms. Every teacher was expected to play and teach songs. Now pianos are extinct, nearly, and clubs think their their plastic keyboard is so fantastic, and and it might be and it might be a little bit, but it's not a piano. Piano is a percussion instrument with wood and hammers, and and felt. And I, I that's my instrument. I don't want to play a keyboard, so. Starting with that, like, I have to advocate for the conditions to be right. Otherwise, it's I get more nervous and I'm unhappy. It's just not the right thing. I'm nervous. I'm always nervous a little bit. But when I have my family around me, like, my the fellas and my band are just such beautiful gentlemen and they have my back and they believe in me so well. I mean, I'm so fortunate. Jay Rose, my drummer, has been with me since I was 19. And I can't play with him all the time, but I have other musicians with me that are my brothers, Chris Bruce on guitar and Kevin Barry on guitar and Ross Gallagher on a bright bass. I'm surrounded by people who love me, and that makes it a lot easier. I have piano, I have my conditions, and then, then it gets easier, right? But if, if I were to have to just be plucked out of a crowd and thrown up on stage, oh, that'd be awful, you know?
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
0: of course I get ner- nervous every time, right? But this is my work, and I need certain work conditions, right? I mean, we all do. If we are professional at something, and we, we've honed it, and we know what works and what is beautiful, then these are my conditions. So that helps me. I think, the like Joni Mitchell said this to me when we were having lunch in L.A. When I was living in L.A., I would run into her sometimes because she could smoke outside at the, the hotel, Bel- not the, um, <laughs> the Bel Air, deli. Anyway, she said, like, the longer you stay away from it, the more nervous you get when you come back. And that's true. So when you're in the flow, it's easier to get back up on the stage and do it. But I'm always a little nervous. But I've got, I've got good people and good conditions. So I'm really, really fortunate that way.
1: I always, always like to end the show. I give the guest the stage. And it's never limited in any way. Not limited to music. In closing, what would you say to anyone who's tuned in? Vote, vote,
0: vote. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, think about the other beings on the planet. Think about reducing your single-use plastic. Carry like a fork in your backpack. Carry a thermos in your backpack. We just don't need more plastic. It's going to kill all the fish in the sea. Be kind to those less fortunate than you. There's a lot of people struggling. I'm I'm traveling around America. I'm seeing a lot of tent cities more than I ever have in Oakland and San Francisco, in the East Bay, in Los Angeles, California's homeless is just unbelievable now. So it's it's hard. It's hard on everybody right now. Be kind, be kind and good to people less fortunate, and especially to the animals on this planet. They are suffering, so start with your own reduction of plastic use.
1: Well, Paula Cole, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. you as I've said before, one of my all-time favorite guests, I love to interview you. You you say so much with so few words. I want all the listeners to check out paulacole.com. If you get a chance, see her on tour. Again, the new album, It's just. it's called Revolution, a very powerful word. Paula Cole, again, thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: All right. Have a great show tonight. Until next time.
0: Until next time, you take good care of yourself and your wife, okay? I will. Okay. All, All right. right. Thank
1: you, Paul. Have
0: All a great night. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. ba 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 da deep i bye